man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So, a uh, very, very good day, one and all. We are slightly out of sync uh, for some, some very different reasons, but um, we are in a very hot part of Spain. Believe me, when we talk about heat, um, we're round about 40 most of the day at the moment, and it is absolutely boiling. Well, we've got fires everywhere. We can actually see just ahead of us that the um, the fires are here so let's go across by plane fictional of course across the mountains across Spain where there will be lots of other fires um, head out to sea come back in over Wales and uh, hopefully land at John Lennon Airport which of course is Don's favourite airport I do know that he often mentions it to me so Don a very good afternoon how are you I'm all right, Vince. I'm renaming it ABBA Airport. ABBA? Because they play decent music. Okay? Well, I can't really say too much at the moment because I'm not too sure where you'll be coming from with this one, but you know, <laughs> I, I am an ABBA fan, so I can't really get too uh, irate. Okay, so, um, yeah, you're obviously uh, you're into hosepipe bands, I would imagine, by now. Oh, man. The heat wave has struck again. Only this, it's four days this time. It was two days last time. The build-up, a week, I think, the news built up to the two days. Uh, and it's been four days. It is very hot. 33 in my car today. Um, and the host pipe bands are back. The news are having a field day. You know, along with empty reservoirs. News, they're having a great time, scaring everybody. Um, because they obviously couldn't find a reservoir empty enough, they show queues of people queuing for bottled water. So you think, oh, blimey. But what it actually was, was it was a village which they'd found, and the, su the su water supply, the tap on it, had jammed. So people were queuing for bottled water. That's why. Nothing to do with the sunshine. You know, oh, it, it, honestly, Vince, it, it's just, you put it on, and the negativity is ridiculous. It's, go, oh, we're going to fry. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. But, you know, you must put suntan lotion on. Uh, you know, I mean, it's obvious. I, I don't know how you manage over there, but here... It's like talk about the nanny state, but it is hot. But you know, you just you just you just do something else, don't you? You know. Well, we have you... to. We've got to live differently. Um, you, you know, we start the day. Uh, usually, people start a bit earlier. Um, not always, by the way, because it depends what you're doing. But I mean, you just decide. Like this morning, uh, we had to take the cats off to the cattery and. Uh, uh, that was an early start, and then we came back uh, via the church. And uh, I mean, it's just that you've got to live differently, and then you stay inside. I mean, for most of the day, it's common sense, really, isn't it? You don't go it is. out when it's too hot. It is, but you see, they don't. 
They don't give you advice. They just scare monger. Everything's, oh, it's going to be terrible. Oh, you know, you, you got to be careful in case your house gets is near wooded land. You see, people are vulnerable. You don't think of them people. To me, I just switch it off. Two words and switch it off. It's pathetic, the news. And, you know, there's people out there who are frightened. You know, they don't think about them. Everything is negative. It goes worse and worse. Oh, and they're walking around this massive studio now with the pictures. But they try and find the worst places. There's somewhere in France, uh, the south of France somewhere, where they've had fires. And they've got a reporter standing there with all the black trees behind her. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, we... How do we survive? And they're saying it's the, the hottest summer since 1976 or something. Well, you know. Well, we were in 1976. I mean, you know, I have to remember that because it was the Minister of Drought year. Dennis Howell, ex-football referee, took over. I mean, I had some wonderful days of golf in that year. And um, basically, you know, I'm looking at the... Uh, Heat wave to end with a bang as Met Office issues three-day thunderstorm warning for the whole of the UK. So, um, I mean, basically, you've got three days of thunderstorms. Uh, we have certain periods of weather here, especially as it gets towards the end of the summer. And uh, we have this thing called the Gotafria. Now, seriously, it is heavy heavy going uh, you remember the problems that they had in Cornwall I can't remember the name of the place um, but it was all swept away a few years ago you have yeah. them, you have them there as well I believe they yeah. call uh, they call it the monsoon when you go to India um, each country has hazardous wealth uh, health and uh, weather warnings that come along and you if you if you turn your TV on and just pay attention to what they're saying and try not to panic, then obviously you get in a bit of pre-information that you've got to be careful with, haven't you? Well, yeah. You know, it's the way they put it over. You know, it's going to... And, of course, rain's, rain's forecast now the next couple of days. That's it. I mean, it hasn't stopped raining in Scotland. You know, can't they get the water down from Scotland into the reservoirs down here? I don't know. You know, it's... It's like it's pathetic, as if it's you know they can put stuff into space, but they can't do that. Oh, you know. Well, I, as I said last week, we're surrounded by oceans and seas, surrounded by them, millions of miles of, of blooming seas and oceans, and we can't get water. It's just, it's just pathetic. Well, you know the whole thing. I, I'm outraged now because you know you mentioned 1976. So if we just took that as one example, we've had since that year till this year now to start really getting the desalination plants in store everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I am not in the slightest bit interested in pictures of what the world was like 2,000 billion years ago or whatever ridiculous uh, figure they gave us because I'm not really sure that that's factual anyway. It's just no. a picture of the stars and they've developed a bigger telescope. 
So um, when you actually look at the money they spend on space exploration, why are we not doing the same for the people that live on the planet here? You know, we've had uh, all these droughts in all these different African countries for years on end, showing us dreadful pictures of animals that um, obviously uh, die of thirst, Uh, people who obviously, you know, can't be uh, fed. They could have solved this a long time ago, but they just don't want it, do they? No, I mean, the worry, let's sort this planet out first. I would have thought that would come first. Like you say, the desalination plants. I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but we're surrounded by water, surrounded by it. And there's there's rain coming into the top of the country anyway. Oh, you know, the reservoirs are empty. Oh, I mean, you know, are we, oh, I don't know. What do they take us for? It's pathetic. It's uh, Then we've got the rising energy bills. This is the next thing. Oh, you, you, the, the energy bills are going to, oh, they're going to go out of size. Oh, they're telling us we'll not only starve because we won't be able to afford food, We'll also freeze because we can't have any heating. For goodness sake, you know, how do we manage when we were kids? We used to have a tilly lamp, you know, and sit around that by the fire, you know, when we were kids. And the summers were hot then as well. You know, it's just, it's pathetic. And it's all, you can tell it's all money making. You know, people are, I mean, if they're, if they charge, why are they charging so much for the energy? Why are they charging so much for electricity? You don't tell you exactly why it's gone up. Well, you, you, know, re- you don't really have to be the greatest economist in the world. If you've seen the prices of BP stuff uh, going sky high and posting profits, which are absolutely immoral in this day and age. And then you look at the price of fuel, you look at everything. This is the next tactic. We've had the COVID stuff. We've had the Brexit stuff. Now it's time to apply stuff that they can get their hands very, very quickly on. Now, there is a quick fix, isn't there? I mean, really, um, you just put an embargo, um, you put a tax on. You know, it's immoral to be making those sorts of prices as profits and declaring them as if they've made the effort to do it themselves. They haven't. They've just put the prices up and everybody's had to pay it. And I think at a stroke, government could change this all around the world, but they don't. Don't forget, money is man-made. It is sometimes beyond belief that the money... And, and its attendant problems just arise. They don't. You know, most of the time, the pr- whatever is, is causing the problem, somewhere, um, I've got a friend that we make podcasts and he always says to me, follow the money. And virtually every problem in the world, if you follow the money, you'll find that it's been fabricated. It's been made. And if they can make money, um, then it's about time they can manage money and they don't want to. I think that that's the, the simple fact of it for me. They don't want to. Yeah, the problem is, the problem is this side of it all. You've got, you know, people are, they're so silly and, and ill-informed, you know, they don't, they don't get it. They're there for the taking. See, they put petrol up. 
prices up. Actually, it's come down a bit, thank goodness. But they put the pet, and nobody, they just pay it. They don't, oh, well, that's the way it goes. You know, they're there for the taking. Like you said last week, you know, they go and buy torn jeans <laughs> because, you know, because it's fashion. I mean, they're stupid. Can't they see that they're stupid paying money for torn jeans? But you see, that that's what they're there for. That's the majority of people. That's the problem with it all. You know, if everybody... See, I won't buy BP petrol. I don't pay £5 a pint. That's it. You know, if if I go on a pub and it's £5 a pint, I'll walk out. And if everybody did that, that would solve the problem because they'd have to bring the price down or go out of business. But people don't do it. You know, the, the, there's restaurants here. Co- you're costing... It's a fortune to eat in there. And they're packed. You know, and there are people are moaning. they got no money. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. But then again, what can you do? What can you do? You can't, you know, you can't legislate for idiots, can you? That's the trouble, you know. It is the trouble. And as rightly you say, you know, you can't legislate for idiots. And sadly, um, you know, when somebody, like if Dick Turpin turned up with a pistol and a mask and took your money um, right in front of you, you know, they may as well do the same at the petrol stations. I mean, they've got the, 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 the holster and the pistol or, you know, the thing that fuels the car. Um, they, why don't they go the whole hog and just have people in masks and take all your yeah. money while you're there, you know? But yeah, yeah. it's balmy, isn't it? It really is. But the thing is, you see, people don't have to pay it. We all moan, but there's things that you don't have to buy. You know, like BP petrol. If everybody didn't buy BP petrol, oh, they'd say, oh, well, yeah, well, we always go to that garage. It's close to the house. You see, you're not going to win. And that's how they work. If they knew, if they put the price up, no one would buy BP petrol. They wouldn't put the price up. But they do. And the BP, what made me laugh, or laugh in, in, in inverted commas, is BP, 13 billion profit or whatever, and that was after they'd paid everything out, the tax and all the, all the, 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 the shareholders. You know, it's, it's clear profit. Why, why doesn't someone say, why don't you give it back to the, the customers? And I think, I think one of the supermarkets said, oh, yes, well, we made a loss. We've got to make up for that loss. BP made a loss of, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, it was about 550 billion profit. But that's a loss to them. You see, it's just it's just ridiculous, mate. I don't know where the world's going. You know, well, it's pathetic. I must admit, I got to a little stage in my life where I started to understand capitalism a little bit more for what it is. Uh, sadly, you see, it's now looking as though there is no alternative. Of course, there's an alternative. But uh, sadly, it's not the way that really we want it to be. Um, so you don't really have an alternative at the moment, which is why people aren't immediately out in the streets all uh, protesting against the uh, the oil barons and all these companies who are just taking the money. It's the, the sad thing is, what really is the alternative at the moment? And I don't really think that many people can see the alternative. You know, I used to think that I could see it because, you know, you only need to look at Venezuela and see how that's gone. Uh, You know, but now you don't really, you can't really see it as quickly, can you? No, it's just, like you say, it's immoral. It's heartless. You see, they don't care, do they? They don't care about the human race. They're so busy 
making money. You know, now, the, and the other thing, the main supermarkets now are doing their bit. I must say, they've stopped selling those disposable barbecues. For goodness sake, you know, that will prevent idiot picnickers setting the country on fire, which, they, which all the fires are getting blamed for them. You see, the, these... So, then again, you see, I wonder which items they will quietly increase in price over, over the... Uh, you know, the, the losses they're making on these barbecues. You know, oh, hang on. Heavy rain is forecast for tomorrow, by the way. So that's it. So the, the barbecues will be back again. You know, that's news. The fires are caused by disposable barbecues, which they probably are. But, you know, this has been going on for months. Don't, doesn't it get into people's heads if you have a barbecue and it spills out onto dry grass, it's going to go on fire. You know, they don't seem to get... And they're saying, and the, 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 the fire brigade are overworked and all this. You know, well, you know, that's their job, isn't it? They do a great job. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. People, people are just stupid. Oh, we always have a barbecue. You know, but having said that, you know, if you're on the... Sh and, and if you're, and you'd say, well, if you go on the shore, on the, on the beach... You're all right, but you're not because apparently they bury the barbecues and some little child stepped on one that was under the sand and, and burnt its foot. So there's always a negative side to everything on the news. They, saw, they, they, they found out where this little kid was and had the kid you know, looking very sad with the mother, you know, for goodness sake. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you, see, no you see these things coming down the line. I, I mean, I look at your papers. You know, I'm looking for I'm looking for good stuff. I'm looking for things that I know they're going to hide. I'm looking for the sort of headlines. And I'm thinking, you know, what's going to come down the line next at us? Because you can see quite clearly that uh, they're trying to frighten the life out of people. Now, can they get away with it these days? They can for the simple fact that they've turned the nation into um, people who are totally and utterly unable to stand on their own two feet and stick up for themselves. I mean, yeah. for goodness sake, you know, if you look at what our parents and grandparents actually had to do to fight the war and go into uh, another land and fight in the trenches so that we could be free, and the way people are now acting is just it's beyond reproach. And, um, you know, you see, I see things that I just could never, ever have thought would ever be seen in the, um, in the news. And yet here we are. You know, we've got uh, all this horrible stuff day in, day out. You can't really have a news bulletin to cheer yourself up. You don't really see anything in no. a news bulletin no. that makes you think, my goodness, I'm so happy to be alive. I can see many things where I say to myself, I'm fortunate not to be in this same situation as these poor people. But, you know, that's not good enough. And it starts with the top, Don. It's got to start at the top. I mean, oh, if you, yeah. you look at uh, what's been happening, um, you know, for many years now, you haven't really had politicians. You've had schoolboys. You've had people coming out of college They've got no real-life experience. And unfortunately, the people who probably could do quite a good job, the system is totally and utterly loaded against them. So That's now, right. you know, it's all policy. 
So it doesn't really matter how good you are now. If you don't come into certain categories, you probably wouldn't get the chance anyway. Same as you and I probably weren't getting the chances when we were young, but it, it, they were different guidelines f- for those people that wanted to make the policy then. Well, everyone's different, you see, aren't they? They, they, they? they try and make laws that are standard. You see, everybody's different. And as I've always said, some are still evolving. You know, we can't have all evolved. Some people haven't got the brains of others. They're still evolving. And I mean that in, I don't mean that in a nasty way. You know, they've got to be nearer where we started, the evolution bit, you know, nearer that than, than some, some others. You know, but, but, but every, everybody's different, but they don't seem to allow for that. They just seem to go down this path. And, and you look at politicians and you think, oh, oh, they're, they're celebrities. They're, not, they're only ordinary people who know very little about life. Half of them, you know, well, they've worked in it. You know, that, that's how you see them. But you get this fellow, Sunak, all of a sudden he, he's smartened himself up, scrubbed up, and he, he's had his teeth done and looks like a film star. You know, it's pathetic. He, he, doesn't, know, just, he doesn't look like a film star to me. He looks like Mr Bean. He looks like somebody, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, who's... I mean, it should be... Well, you should look at those people and be able to say there is a man or a lady of substance. And I don't think think we've got that. I mean, I'm just looking uh, at some of these headlines that we've got in the paper today. I mean, we've already discussed one or two of them. This one says uh, the Extinction Rebellion Activists fill golf course holes with cement oh, yeah. in so protest against Greens being exempt from the water ban in France as the country yeah. battles extreme drought. Now, I suppose it wouldn't sort of cross their minds that maybe these golf courses actually have their own water supply that they, they use, which is probably the case. But what I would like to see is they've got to sort these people out. You know, these are the people who are taking the law into their own hands without a court of law or any real reason to say that this is guilty or that's guilty. You know, the whole public is 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 really guilty for them and they think they can just walk around and do what they like. That's right. And reporting it on the news gives other people ideas. You know, they shouldn't have got... That, that was national news. You know, filling... filling Holes with with concrete, I know it, it's pathetic, you know. Because mind you, they do see golfers as snobs, don't they? That's the trouble. But but like you, like you say, something should be done. What we need is to say they filled the golf the 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 greens holes with with concrete, and now they've all been arrested and they've kept in custody. That's what it needs, you know. But it, you won't get that. You don't get that side of it, you know. Arrest them, fine them thousands of pounds for the damage, and then maybe they'd, they'd think twice next time. You know, they don't do that, do they? You know, well, they, just, just... They, they treat them like heroes, don't they? Oh, you know, they've done that. You see, that's the trouble with heroes. It's, well, it's just pathetic. just when we think that maybe you know the weather is extreme and we've got enough to worry about. I'm just looking sort of the cheering up news bulletins on this paper. Hero British father of three, 35-year-old, restrains woman claiming to have explosive 
after she stripped to her underwear and tried to storm the plane cockpit, shouting Alu Akbar on the Jet 2 flight from Cyprus to Manchester. Now, we do know that uh, Salman Rushdie uh, was attacked and severely damaged. So we can expect probably more from this particular department now. It's almost like, you, you know, uh, it comes in waves, doesn't it? Uh, what what are we going to terrify people with at the moment? In the background, of course, we've got China and Russia ready to go off against America. Uh, yeah. And what have we got to defend us all? We've got some... Absolutely geriatric um, has been who can't even walk up and down the plane steps from the American Air Force plane, uh, you know, which carries him around the world when, of course, he's very, very busy trying to make sure that uh, his carbon footprint is not too large. I mean, it, the whole thing is just absolutely stupid for me. It's almost like the evidence is there for us all to see. We are being kidded left, right and centre and we don't, don't even hit back. You know, the water leaks. We've all got these, yeah. uh, you know, pictures on the screens of no water. Uh, the whole of the 2,000 islands of the British uh, Great Britain and its islands surrounded by water. And yet uh, we've got water leaks double during heatwave. Uh, with firms blaming underground damage caused by earth drying out as drought continues to hit UK supplies. So does that mean to say that these water chiefs who've just had a bonus over a million pounds worth of bonus for allowing us to have our water leaks, um, don't they plan for extreme weather? Is that something that never happens? Yeah, I mean, when you look back in time, 200 years ago, they built canals all over the country, carrying water and boats all over the country. They built the canals by hand with picks and shovels, the navvies, and the canals are still there and are still being used. What is the difficulty of laying a pipeline from Scotland down here? You know, it's not as if it's they're going to miss the water up there because it's it's non-stop. You know, or when it floods, the floods are, are, are washing houses away, and it's and the the, the water's washed going out over the land into the sea. You know, can't they? I, I don't know. To me, it, it's simple. You know, the answer is simple, but you, you don't seem you, you don't seem to get it because you get oh, you can't do that because, and they give you a reason. You know, it, it's it's. Well, dare I, dare I say it, you see, you, you, you can see a whole smokescreen across the news. You've got all this stuff that is serious, seriously not nice to be reading. And then all around it, you've got, you know, click on this to go off to see whatever the name of this um, outrageously ordinary star is wearing, you know, uh, for down, stripped down, sitting on a yacht or something. And they think that that is more important than yeah. the ordinary person managing to do what ordinary people do, which is look after the family, look after the health and try and sort of plan something for the future. They uh, they are really really not worthy of the uh, the role that politic politicians have. I'm afraid they're all in this together. I think that there's a club that has uh, 
that much rubbish going through it that they have to sign up to that they they don't strike me as being people who can think for themselves anymore. No, you see, the, the thing is with, with the two news channels, or the three, we got the Sky and everything, they must watch the other news and, and see, like, you get the, the footballers' wives arguing as if that's news. That is not news, but, you know, it's on. And people watch it. So they must, oh, they must say, oh. So they, they try and capitalise, trying to top each other. Instead of giving us the proper news, I couldn't care less if Rooney's wife w- w- wins a case or not. I couldn't, I, I just, it's not news. You know, but that's on. That, that, that one, one of the days it was opening news, it was the top of the top of the news. You see, that's the trouble. And the other news, watch it, and they're trying to compete to, to get all they want. They don't want to tell you the news. They just want people to watch so the people who are interested in that sort of garbage watch, you know. And, and, and also, the news and, isn't showbiz. It's news. They're trying to make it showbiz with this new studio they've got. And they're prancing up and down and pointing at all these screens. Just stick someone behind a desk. Give us half an hour of the news like they used to. Well, they've got 24 hours to fill in. And it's, it's, like, it's like watching a film, you know, a, a Hollywood movie. It's pathetic, you know. Well... I have to say, uh, you know, there was a time when to be a journalist was a job that you really aspired and you wanted to possibly do. Um, But now you just look at the way these people conduct themselves. You look at the way that they really want to be in front of the cameras rather than behind typing properly without any errors. But as I said before, you know, I I think that uh, a lot of our news is actually coming from an artificial intelligence now. I think they've got robots doing a lot of it. You know, you know as well as I do that whatever we're saying now can go transcribed into um, an article just like that. You know, it's it really has, life has changed so much. The things that, you know, you and I grew up as being important, um, they just don't bother about the same. Well, Don... Um, the thing is, we're old, aren't we? That's yeah, the thing. But that isn't the point, really. You know, we're old. I mean, I, I look at things now, and now and again, I'll criticise some idiot riding up and down a road on his motorbike, you know, break it, totally breaking the speed limit. But I did the same, you know, when I was that age. That's what you tend to forget. And, and I, I, I honestly feel... After a certain age, you're basically on the scrap heap, you know. That's because mm. you don't really count. You think you do, but you don't really count, you know. I think part, anyway. of, the, part of the problem is, of course, you know, the technology changes um, have made life so different. I mean, when we were around, yeah, don't forget, yeah. in our, say, 20s, uh, you didn't have things like even, you know, uh, a speed check, a radar speed check and safety belts yeah, and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, life has changed for so many and in such a strange way. Let's go to um, what you have been watching on the TV then. Yes, in between the blanket athletics, we've had the return of football with Manchester United, bottom of the table, and Everton close by. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a, a very interesting start to the season, really, if you into the football, you know. Uh, personally, I'd rather watch young lady gymnastics showing the world what real talent is. These girls are unbelievable. You know, how you can run across a, a carpet and bounce and do a triple somersault. 
from a standing position with a, several spins is way beyond me. It defies gravity. And, 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 and it, it's great to watch, you know, the gymnastics. And, and the girls are great. They really come over really well. And, and when they win, they're so happy. And, and, and it's, it's, it's just you can't help but smile. Brilliant. But the football, oh, dear. I think Manchester United should get one of these uh, young girls as a goalie. <laughs> you know, me. Did you see the match? I did. I did. Oh. Uh, look, like everybody else, I've got friends who are Manchester United supporters. I won't speak to them for a couple of days because, obviously, I don't want to upset them. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I did produce uh, a, a number of statements around the year 2000 when I started doing my football panel shows on the radio here in Spain. And I said it would take cataclysmic events to change the nonsense that's going on. I mean, we were talking about uh, Trevor Francis signing up as the first million-pound footballer at the time. And um, in recent years, I've been banging on about the fact that it's absolutely and utterly immoral for somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, uh, Salah, and all these other players to get, you know, quarter of a million even, half a million in in, uh, Ronaldo and Messi's case, to sit on a bench and not even play, yeah. you know, it, it is, it's beyond immoral. It's gone beyond sensible and something has got to give. When you actually itemise the ladies or the girls, young ladies doing the gymnastics, you're absolutely right. Uh, I remember trying to teach uh, men the forward role and that wasn't springing in the air the way that these girls do i mean this was just rolling one time one time over your shoulder and yet many times we could, could get fellas who just couldn't do it but these girls are amazing and of course into the mix immediately we start getting uh, the the obvious truth of the matter in front of us um you get somebody or a group of people want to discredit the people that train them so immediately yeah. you know all the athletics coaches, the, the only reason they managed to get the medals at the Olympics or the World Championship was because they were being abused by the trainers. Um, it is rather strange how, you know, all this seems to come up uh, just when these girls, you know, are showing us. It's not sort of going through history. This, this, we're seeing it in front of our eyes, just how good these people are. Wonderful. It is fantastic. It is. It's hard to, you know, you watch them and then they show it in slow motion. And you think, how the hell can a girl run across a mat, bounce on an ordinary floor and do a triple somersault forward and backward? It's just unbelievable. And this morning, I thought I'll go for a stroll around Birkenhead Park, which you'll know. Yeah. And there was a football match on. Um, two local sides and you know what they were laying into it and I thought that's that's it these fellas weren't getting paid they were giving it everything they had and they scored a goal and everyone it was, it was fantastic to watch in fact I was knackered watching them it was, you know, and it was a hot day it was really hot this morning and I thought there you go 
And they had like people around the side, a few supporters, you know, shouting and bawling. It was great. Well, 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 I mean, even even if you allow for that's local, if we allow for what I saw from the championship games and from League One and League Two, I mean, we're talking always as though the Premier League is, uh, you know, some sort of heaven that everybody aspires to. In yeah, terms of yeah. money, I totally can see un- and understand why maybe young kids are like that. But in terms of, um, you know, actually... Playing, I've got to say, the skill factor is amazing, and they should be well rewarded. But if the average wage, I don't know, is something like sixty thousand, or in fact, I don't think it'll be that. It'll be about thirty thousand, I would imagine, probably. Um, then yeah. okay, then I don't begrudge your football against the sixty thousand. But let's let's stay real about it. I mean, it's getting stupid again. These these lads. I mean, they weren't young fellas. They are two decent sides. And as I say, you watch them and the skills and the tackle, you know, and, and you think these guys are doing it purely for the love of the sport, you know, to win. And it, it was great to watch, you know. And I, I sat on this seat and I thought, God, blimey. Took me back many, many years when I used to play. But it was, it, it was great, you know, just to see this. And the atmosphere, you know, is in the park. You know, they didn't have the, the crowds and... And any crowd trouble. One fellow was shouting his head off, complaining about one of the fellows who missed the goal, which was hilarious. And everyone was laughing, you know, in his comments. But it was really good, you know, because I, I haven't seen a football match for ages in, in the park, you know. Well, I've got to say, it was legendary playing uh, Sunday football. I mean, if you played for a good team, and I did, um, as you probably know, uh, Camel Erds, uh, for example, yeah. in the West Cheshire League. And uh, if you played on the Sunday, uh, it was like you're likely to get your leg broken in the Sunday league football. I mean, they they read all the 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 boozers and the the pub teams seem to have a penchant for um, going out to try and you know uh, break as many legs as they can on the Sunday yeah. morning, which is ridiculous. But there we are. That's that's what it used to be like. Yeah, but when Oof. you look at when you look at these fellows playing, you think. Is are these professional millionaire footballers that much better than these fellas? You know, when you look at them, you know, because they, they, you know, they passing the ball from one side of the field to the other. Good players, you know, they weren't an out. Well, they were a good side, both of them. And you think, like, you know, is Ronaldo a million a million pound better than this these fellas? You know, he's obviously better than them, but by that much, I don't think so. Do you? Well, I watched a little um, documentary on Friday night, I think it was. Crystal Palace Academy was on. And uh, it was all the, strangely enough, there were, it was just all young black lads. I think there was the odd white lad thrown into the mix. But all the coaches were white, um, with, with exceptions, of course. But um, having said that, you know, it, it just really is such a crazy mixed up world we're living in at the moment and quite honestly um, if you go to a Netflix program called Manifest it's a series and I think if you start looking at it um, you know it's a very strange very strange world and whoever has written this particular series is yet another example of the weirdo that uh, is managing to get his stuff on to these series. And they're obviously 
just entering people's minds and heads. And, you know, it's almost like the thinkers now seem to, um, they, they don't seem to exist as much. But if you get that chance, have a look at that. It's called Manif- no, will, Manifest. Okay. Yeah, well, now then, you're going to tell me about ABBA. So what have you been up to and ABBA? I watched a documentary on ABBA. Uh, I've seen other documentaries on it. I hadn't, I hadn't seen this one. And, you know, they were fantastic. They were. When you look at it and you look, they interview Bjorn and Benny and the two girls, and, and of course it wasn't hip to like ABBA, but the stuff was better than anything, really, when, when you go back. This, every song was a classic. And they had Pete Waterman uh, on talking about it, and he said, we've sold millions of records, you know, Water, Scott, Scott Aiken and Waterman. He said, we've sold millions. But he said, when I hear ABBA, he said, I fill up because it, it, it's so good, the lyrics. Now, I don't want to talk about things we've been through. He said, that song, it's a masterpiece. And he was absolutely right. You know, and I've always, lyrically, considering they're they're Swedish, lyrically, I mean, that one, the judges will decide, the likes of me abide. You know, what a line that is. Fantastic. And it was showing how they gradually fell apart, the band, you know, and how uh, the, the, uh, the tunes carried on in films and, and, and stage shows. And the songs were just great. You know, you, OK, you've got your Beatles. We won't go into the Beatles. The early Beatles stuff was good. But it doesn't compare with, with the ABBA stuff. It doesn't compare because the ABBA stuff, they also produced the music. You know, there were, there were real musicians who actually composed the music of everything, which the Beatles didn't really do. You know, they had George Martin doing it for them. But, you know, I'm not knocking the Beatles. They were they made millions and good luck to them. And they helped bands get gigs. Back in the, if you had a Liverpool accent, you got, you got gigs because everyone thought you were like the Beatles. So thank you, Beatles. But no comparison to me with ABBA and the Beatles. There isn't any at all because I don't think I heard, I've ever heard one song of Abba's that I didn't like. Let me you know, um, let me just ask a question then. Is yeah. am I right in thinking that the technology was developing more in the Abba period? Because when the Beatles were creating their songs, they didn't really have quite as much of the technology till they met George uh, Martin and then started maybe using some of the effects that the likes of the Beach Boys even had been using. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking about two different things, really. I thought the um, the ABBA thing was a little bit more sort of uh, well, for a start, there was a, there was a sexual mix, wasn't there? There was the two yeah, guys and the two I girls. Yeah, and also the two girls, uh, Anietta and Frida. Frida had a men's key. I always noticed that at the time. She sang in a bloke's key. So you had two girls who could harmonise like nobody else could because Frida's voice was very low. But, you know, the actual production, and, I mean, it, it was they're fantastic, the songs. And, and then they interviewed Anietta on a separate interview her her life story and she couldn't handle it all in the end she she sort of wanted to be at home with the kiddies 
and of course they got divorced and uh, it was going through it was a fantastic program but you know it brought out to me you see it's like ELO I thought ELO were, were much better than the Beatles the stuff they did and the production and they could do it live you know go out and do it see, that, that was the problem I got with the Beatles when they, they stopped going on the road they didn't do it live you know it's alright uh, having these um, George Martin reverse tape and all this, but you can't do it live, can you? See that 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 was always my thing with them. Had they carried on and got orchestral with the stuff, like a lot of the groups did, like ABBA, you know, it wasn't just the four of them playing. They had a, a, a band behind them, and, and, and that's what the Beatles should have done. Really well, I remember. But, uh, I like to say it was early days, like you say. Yeah, you know. I remember when I was talking with uh, King Size Taylor, and uh, he now, of course, uh, is still actually singing. He's over in Germany, and he reckons that he's the guy that taught the Beatles how to rock and roll. Well, the thing that he kept saying all the way through one particular interview was that he felt that Brian Epstein had taken him away, they'd taken the Beatles away from what they were good at and put them in suits to go and sort of go down and be marketed down in London and obviously then go across and maybe try and conquer the uh, the American market. And I think that probably was a little bit more blatant than the um, the ABBA thing, which I think... When you actually look at the way that the continent has developed, there's been a big difference, hasn't there, between uh, those that really were just slave to the American trade. And, um, I mean, ABBA certainly wasn't what you would be dubbing uh, American-only influenced. Uh, They seemed to have their own stamp of approval, didn't they? Yeah, I think with the Beatles, it was like a, a snowball. Once you get to a certain stage... It just it just goes on and on and on and mounts up and up, and then everybody sort of believes you know that they were they were special, you know, like John Lennon. If John Lennon, when he said uh, we're more popular than Jesus Christ, you know, if if he'd have been born two thousand years ago, Lennon, he would have thought he was, you know, it it it, it was like mass hysteria, wasn't it, with the Beatles? I never really got them to be honest. I quite like the songs. But I never really saw what it was, you know, and I never saw them live, so I don't really know. And a mate of mine who who, who plays on a Wednesday with me, uh, he was in a group called the Del Renas, and they were on with the Beatles a lot. And he said, you know, before they went to Germany, they were rubbish. He said, you know, they were just a bog standard. And um, they had uh, the, the, the bass player, Stuart Sutcliffe, who couldn't play the bass. And he, and he said they were, they, they were, you know, nothing really. And so when he came back from Germany, because they were playing eight hours a day, every day of the week, and he said they were, they were, they were great, you know, so much better. Well, I think, but, I think both you and I over the years that we've been doing all the, the different things we've been involved in, we've met some people who were one-hit wonders, who basically uh, were in the right place at the right time with the right gimmick. And then we've met, we've met others who basically, you know they were really good quality and they could have been big stars, but either they chose not to or they weren't helped in the way to become that way. And then looking at, say, what happened with Salman Rushdie, 
and looking at what uh, happened with John Lennon. I think John Lennon was very lucky in the respect of getting only, um, you know, a, well, they, they did get a, a huge amount of flack, but, you know, uh, if he'd have been as treated the way that maybe Salman Rushdie has been treated, uh, then obviously, you know, the outcome would have been so horrible and so different that, you know, people seem yeah. to think that it's okay. You can knock Christianity as much as you like. Um, but the minute you say one word against other religions, certain other religions, immediately uh, we've seen the result of this. Something I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on, as it's important, and as I'm looking at a clip of Gary Neville and Jamie Rab Redknapp having a furious bust-up live on air over who is to blame for Manchester United's demise. Now, oh. you know, my suspicion is that the Premier League is under attack from American money. You know, they they want yeah. to be selling their popcorn in, in between the corner kick and the throw-in and all this sort of stuff. You know, something big is happening at Manchester United. Isn't it strange? They've had such a, a huge disruption so of Chelsea, it, does that not cross your mind that something bigger is going yeah. on? And then, of course, while that's been happening, we've been made to like the ladies' football. You, above all people, you know, didn't like ladies' football, but here we are now. Um, I like the ladies' football, but I don't like being made to do anything. And when people are making me have to watch ladies' football rather than the football I want to watch... I think, hang on, that's the third sort of deflection we've had. We've had your Chelsea and um, having to sell, sell the club. We've had Manchester United, which we can't understand at the moment. And uh, now we, we have the ladies' football. So I think it's all deflection. I think things are working uh, behind the scene and we'll find out shortly what it's all about. Yeah, I could be right. See, the ladies' football... Uh, it, uh, I was impressed with the the World Cup thing because uh, a we won <laughs> for a start and um, there was no crowd problems. It, it was nice to watch, you know. And it was summer, you know. Uh, it had everything going for it, didn't it? I mean, I, I'm not a massive football fan anyway, you know. To be honest with you, I can take it or leave it. I watch the highlights on a Saturday night at half past ten. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like Everton and Liverpool if I'm going to support anybody. Yeah. And Tranmere, you know. I'm the same. I always look at how they get on. You yeah. Know. But uh, I'm not. I'm not a staunch fan, you know. But um, yeah, that, and the ladies' football. I, I, as I said at the time, that was a must-win. That that game. If they'd lost that game. They'd, they'd have gone back oh, years. Yeah. They'd, they'd lost so much. That game, they had to win. And to beat Germany, put them right on the map. And I was delighted for them. Well, know. look, certain things needed changing. And things like, if you look at the panel composition now, you've got uh, far more females commenting and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, talking about the football as if suddenly the women are far more expert at the football than most of the men. Uh, yes, yeah. because a lot of the pundits were just ex-players who weren't particularly um, either the best looking or, you know, the best at maybe, um, 
discussing things. So, yeah, that's one thing that's very interesting for me. I think well, that you only need to look at the composition of many things that are coming out of your television to see that this is part of what I keep urging everybody to read, Agenda 2030. It's interesting. Go and read it, and then you'll wonder why things are the way they are. Don, there's heck, heck of a uh, lot of things going on that people don't seem to even want to know about. Yeah, yeah. Well, with, with, with the ladies commentating on the men's football, they've got their game now. You don't need a woman commenting on a man's football match because the commentary is pathetic. You know, he came down the wing and he put it over into the box. You know, like you've got your game now, girls. Stick with the. You know that that annoys me when they have a woman. Well, in, I mean, because I wouldn't mind if they're any good, but they're not. I don't know if you remember the song. Sports report. Everybody around the country used to gather round to listen to the results. They've changed that. They're taking that one away. The change in the yeah. format. There is, there are bigger things going on. However, let me go finally to a big thing that went on. And hello, Murray Lou. Tell us all about it. Yeah, this was the high point of my musical live playing career, undoubtedly. Uh, the other week you played one, one of the songs... Uh, there's a guy called James Burton, who was the guitarist for Ricky Nelson, and he played on all Ricky Nelson's hits, played all the guitar solos before uh, joining Elvis on um, Vegas. So when you watch Elvis on Vegas, there he is in the background, back in Elvis. And when Elvis says, well, no one else can understand me, play it, James. That's James. Now, he came over in uh, 2007, 2008, and he, he, he was going to do an Elvis show um, with, the, with the local musicians. And he, he said he fancied doing some Ricky Nelson. And I got the, uh, as I know all Ricky Nelson stuff, and I knew the guy doing the concert, he said, do you fancy playing with James Burton? So I said, let me think, yes. <laughs> took me about half a second. I mean, James Burton has been my hero since 1958 when I started playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. And um, hello, Mary Lou, that solo was just something else. You know, it, it was great at the time as well. It's good now, yeah. but at the time, he was so far ahead of his time and so popular, this guy. Anyway, he came over and uh, I met him and we did... The first concert was at the Pacific uh, Theatre on the docks because normally we do the Floral Pavilion, but that was getting done up. So we did it there. And to stand on the stage, uh, we had a few rehearsals when we met him, you know, and he was a great fella. And uh, I remember saying to him, am I all right saying, play it, James? Oh, yeah, no problem, Dan. He's, and I said, do you want to stick a solo in... in uh, Poor little fool, because there isn't one on the record. And he said, you just say, play it, down, and I'll play it. Great <laughs> fella, right. So this had to happen. This had to happen. Because I, I thought, I don't want to get the flu. I don't want him getting the flu. This has got to come off. So we got a little band together, a uh, mate of mine on bass, 
and, and a mate on drums. I didn't want the full band uh, for Ricky Nelson stuff. I just wanted to feature him because he was the main fella, you know, to, it's all about him. And we started off, uh, you know, we got to the theatre and I was thought, oh, I, so, I, co I couldn't wait to get on the stage. This mm -hmm. was it. This was the moment I've been waiting for. And my mate said, he was walking down the bass pad, he said, oh, I'm a bit nervous. I said, nervous? I said, we get on that stage, play one note, and into the history books we go. Mm -hmm. And he said, some of you is, you think you're better than James Byrne. <laughs> and I said, hey, there's not much in it. <laughs> we did have a laugh. Anyway, got on the stage, and we opened up with... Um, Stood up broken hearted again and I started doing, 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 doing. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I brought him on and I thought, is this happening? It was a strange, strange mm. feeling. You know, after all those years, there he was standing next to me yeah. and, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing all the Ricky Nelson hits and saying, play it, James, and off you go. I mean, it, it was, and as I said the other week, it was one of those moments, where, where do I go from here? That was it. I, I, that was the top of the thing. I couldn't go anywhere else. Because the following week, we were playing in some bloody pub somewhere, you know, <laughs> back to normal. But he was fantastic. And he came over eight times each year. Fantastic. And, and I played with him eight times. We did the Floral Pavilion. And... Um, I just got to know him in the end. He was like a mate in the end, you know. Okay, Don. Well, look, thing, to finish know. the podcast this week, uh, let me get you to introduce exactly as you want to do it. Right. This is myself recorded at a concert back in the day uh, with James Burton and, and the full band playing Hello, Mary Lou. The other side of that record, uh, which was a big hit at the time, was a record with the most fantastic solo on it, Evermore. And everybody's been trying to get it right since, including myself. And apparently when James played the record, he, he, he just came off the top of his head, you know, on, on the record. We've all been trying to get it right. So tonight, nobody can argue with the fella who played it on the record. Hello, Mary Lou. Hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart. Sweet Mary Lou, I'm so in love with you. I knew Mary Lou will never part. So hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart. But I passed you by one sunny day. Flash those big brown eyes my way. I knew I wanted you forevermore. I'm not one that gets around Swear my feet stuck to the ground And though I never did see you before I said hello, Mary Lou Goodbye, heart Sweet Mary Lou, I'm so in love with you I knew Mary Lou We'll never part So hello, Mary Lou Goodbye, heart The legend Beautiful. 
saw your face, I heard your voice Believe me, I just had no choice Wild horses wouldn't make me stay away I dreamed about a moonlit night Arms around me good and tight That's all I had to say, me to say Hey, 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 hey Lord 